Hello everyone, I am Harry Foku and I connect businesses in the gaming industry with freelance tech solutions and I'm your host. Hello Mozzie, how are you doing? I'm doing good Harry, how about you? I'm doing very well. Lovely. Introduction to myself, for everyone who isn't aware. I'm Harry. I work at Evolution. We're a community-led recruitment company in the gaming business. I'm on Evolution Gaming. I work mainly on the Unity side, but pretty much we have someone doing a bit of everything. And today we're speaking with Mozzie, executive producer at Rovio, to talk about how AI revolutionized the gaming experience. And I'll throw it over to Mozzie for a quick introduction. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, good evening. Uh, if you're joining from a different time zone. I am Mozzi. I work as an executive producer, as Harry mentioned, at Trovio. And now that means a lot of things at Trovio, uh, because Trovio is a very fun place to work at. And you get to experience different people from different cultures and different backgrounds. So it's always fun hanging out and working uh, in a space where you get to learn a lot, not just by making and creating these experiences, but also knowing different teams uh, across the world. I work on multiple different uh, initiatives at Trovio and mostly related to new games and new initiatives that Rovio is currently working on. All right. So first off, we'll start with how you got here in the first place. So could you share your journey to how you became an executive producer at Rovio? I've been in the industry for about close to 14 years now. Uh, this April, it'll be 14 years. And I started with my career at EA uh, in back in India. And before that, I was working at TCS, which is a Tata Consultancy Services, and I was, you know, just fresh out uh, my MBA grad, and I was working there. And one of my friends was working at EA, and she knew how passionate I was about games in general. And she said, "Hey, I am QA. I see this opportunity where I think you can fit in. Why don't you give it a shot?" And like back in the day, uh, it was blasphemous to leave a job that's so stable in our belly very highly reputed company and go to something that's as unstable as gaming back in the day. This is like 14 years ago. I thought, why not? Let's give it a shot. I didn't tell anyone in my family. I just go there in the morning and leave in the evening with an awful letter in my hand <laughs> and go back to tell and tell my family that, you know, I'm going to do this. And there was outpour of rage from <laughs> both my parents, like you're going to spoil your future, you can't do this, there's nothing in gaming. And also, back in the day, gaming was different. There was no App Store, there was no Google Play Store. It was mostly us making games, and either if it was mobile games, we were making them for mobile operators and then giving it to them, and they share it with the subscribers. Um, and slowly, the introduction of iPhone and the App Store came into play. And then after EA, I joined Singapore, where I was there for four years. And over there, I worked on multiple different mobile games. Cityville, if you've heard about the Will franchise that Zynga had. So I worked on Cityville and a couple of other games. Also worked on Mafia Wars, uh, where I was the senior producer uh, and owning the PNL. And uh, from Zynga, I moved to Germany uh, for a company called Mega Zebra, where I worked on an ABC Disney franchise called Desperate Housewives. This was a time when Kim Kardashian games were really popular. <laughs> the tech space games. And from there, I moved to Glue Mobile, where I was the franchise owner for Deer Hunter. And then during that year, the two years where I was at Glue, I was giving a lot of talks uh, in EU, China, and 
elsewhere. And then I happened to meet the head of studio, Rovio, in one of the conferences that I was giving a talk in Prague. And over there, uh, he happened to attend my talk and I happened to attend his talk. And we both connected and said, hey, we want someone who could solve XYZ problem for us. Why don't you, you know, give it a shot? And to my fortune, I had already been invited by Rovio to give a talk in RovioCon. And I got exposed to the Scandinavian culture where it's very open and very collaborative. And that impressed me a lot. And when the then head of studio reached out, I was like, yeah, sure, let's let's talk. And that's how I got into Rovio. And I've been Amazing. for four years now. Fantastic. Lovely. Uh, so with AI then, what sparked your interest? Like, when did it start? I think there was no active initiation from my side to kind of, hey, let's look into AI, but it just because it became such a viral thing. And I just got very curious about what is happening in this space because mm. AI is not new for games. AI is not new. AI has been there since the dawn of time. Like even Pac-Man, those ghosts that Pac-Man has to tackle are in a way programmed AI. Yeah. The difference is they're predictable. And now the AI is moving to a space where you know, a lot of uh, stuff that's coming out is predictable at the same time, something that we don't expect uh, it to behave in a way that it's behaving right now. And from a game developer's perspective, I think it's going to offer so much resources, so many Mm -hmm. tools that initially we might have had five people to do X, Y, Z in terms of creatives, but now you have an army uh, in in the form of AI that Mm -hmm. can elevate a lot of these mundane things that the team has to do can be now done by AI and the team will get enough time to focus on things that actually shape the experience of, of the player in, in different ways. We have AI that can generate uh, assets, right? So, for example, in RPG games, you would have one shield, uh, which is golden, which is rare, and then you have duplicates of that shield uh, from rare, common, uncommon, legendary, you know, epic, exotic, yeah. right? So artists would have to spend so much time creating all of these, uh, wherein they could, in an ideal world, if they would have created just one and there was a technology that could use that as a base and then create more, mm-hmm. then artists would have had more time to work on something that's unique and uh, their efforts were put in uh, in the right direction also. Nice. That's just right. one example, but there's so many other examples where AI could touch game design, the way we uh, explore that. And uh, generative art is just one aspect of it, but there's so many aspects where now videos are being converted to 3D uh, objects. And now there is text-to-speech. And there's so many other things that could shape the way we make the games in future. So that aspect of uh, game development is really, really exciting. Let's get into it. I want to start with what do you think AI has already revolutionized in the last couple of years? In the last couple of years, I think if you take the examples of some of the famous games, right? if you've played God of War or if you've played Red Dead Redemption, games like this have already had AI. And if you played Lord of the Rings, uh, Shadow of Mordor, they have a nemesis system in which characters uh, or rather the, you know, the bosses actually remember you. Uh, from mm. previous encounters and they are smarter now because of your interactions you know in the previous sessions 
So I think that's already been done in the past. And now it's moving towards a place where it, it would demand more from the player's input. Like so far, we've had predictable AI. And now we're moving towards what if Google Assistant was, Google Assistant-like technology was in a game, right? Yeah. Where it evolves based on your interactions with it, remembers you, and also brings back episodes of interactions that could be relevant in your current experience. Hmm. So let's dive deep on that. Like, what do we think actually could happen now with ChatGBT4? Like, I imagine, like, I think I saw someone, a CEO of, like, Microsoft mention, like, our current assistants are basically stupid when we can compare. Like if I treat a Google assistant like ChatGPT4, I'm not going to have a great time. I will just get, oh, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like when do we think we'll get like ChatGPT level of education in like, we'll start getting like ChatGPT type AI in games. So there are two sides of this conversation, right? One side is where we want to create these dynamic experiences where players kind of have a very personalized um, narrative or personalized experience in how they're engaging with the game and the other side of the conversation is if you go that go down that route we give a lot of control away to ai and that mm. might end up breaking the game right so we don't know how this is gonna shape but i think the more time we spend uh, you know playing around with uh, these you know tools that we have uh, speak of uh, you know, text-to-speech, uh, you know, text-to-image, video to 3D, uh, and then you have something like 11, 11 labs that can train your voice uh, in, you know, and then whatever you type, it will respond to you in, in your own way of talking, mm-hmm. right? So there's so many tools out there. The more we play around with it, I think that's going to help us analyze what are the use cases that we can uh, introduce or use uh, when we're making these uh, experiences in the game. And of course, it has a lot of advantages uh, in theory. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to actual execution, it'll come down to how we can integrate this into our daily workflow and what would be the legalities of a company trying to adopt this uh, without you know, infringing on the rights of folks who have... Um, created or learned from this basically avoiding duplicates yeah i think that's going to be difficult i think i've seen countries are trying to figure out what the legality is now the uk just came out there will be a bit more lax uh, but the europe might be a bit more strict and it's like in my head it only takes one country to be very lax and then how are we going to compete with them if it's such a big advantage very curious to see how that like legality plays out in the end yeah i mean the last the the last i was following was uh, Mid Journey is having a legal case in the US where the the entire code base or the image base that they used uh, was from a company that accumulated all of these art uh, images and assets. And now there is a case that says that is this unique art or is this based on the yeah. collection of all the assets? So where does the ownership lie? So I think the once we get more clarity on that, I think it'll become easier to talk about this uh, workplace and integrate it uh, in the workflow. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of indie studios dabble. Uh, yeah, they already are. They already are uh, using this. Right? Like, I think the best example that I was looking at one of the 
companies doing it was a card-based RPG game where the entire card frame was generated by AI. Wow. The image on the art, like for example, Magic the Gathering, a game like yeah. that. Uh, the the entire art uh, on that uh, card was being generated by AI. That's the, who who is the victim? That's that's my. I mean, with law, there's usually a victim. Like in this case, who? It's 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 going to be a tricky one. I'm curious to see like what's going to happen. I mean, I I wouldn't look at it as if who's the victim, but I would look at it as someone who has no resources, someone who has not a lot of budget and is a single person army mm-hmm. and wants still wants to get into you know creating game now ai can write code for you if you know the basic framework of how code can be written you can actually ask ai to write code for you and then you can at least have a prototype that will get you to a table where you can say hey i have something i would love for you to play around with it and give me feedback and how i can take this to another level Wherein, in another case, you would ideally want, would have had a team of five to 10 people to actually create that experience over a period of two to three months. Now, that can happen by a single person in some cases, uh, if they're smart enough to play around with it. So I think it makes making games more accessible from a game mm-hmm. developer's perspective. And it's not going to be 100% polished. It's not going to be 100% there. It's not going to be 100% fun but it gives them a platform where they can say, I can do something right now and not be worried about, I don't have an artist, I don't have uh, a com- good command over English uh, because you know if I'm making a game in English, I would want to make sure that it comes across as a very polished game, at least in written, right? So things mm-hmm. like that make it easier for passionate game developers to get into and start meddling with this and maybe create uh, something fun and unexpected. I think when I like creativity or innovation, I think when you just like 10x the population of people trying new stuff, you're going to get amazing results. And I feel like this is potentially one of those events where the democratization of like content, for example, you see that with YouTube, this might be the democratization of like game development even further. If Unity took it one step, then this will be like another step. Then you're going to get loads of games. Next question to you then. In terms of personalized experiences, we've covered AI kind of speaking to you. I guess what other things could happen with AI in terms of personalizing a player's experience? So the personalization is a very interesting aspect from my perspective because from as a player, and I'm someone who's been playing games for a living now, mm. right? and that's a, that's a boon and a curse in some cases, but... I've always longed for experiences that are meaningful, uh, experiences that take into account uh, my journey uh, as a player in a particular game. And I think that has been missing because AI or the bots or the NPCs in the games have been programmed to respond to, you know, your actions and the choices you make. Like, you know, if you choose option A, then the story would end up in a different way. And if you choose option B, then the story would end up in a different way. Uh, detection. I'm taking the example of Witcher, right? You, you're always yeah. uh, very situational choices that you have to make, and then that takes the story depending on how you want to shape it. But uh, one of the key things that I'm excited about is having these experiences be very dynamic based on player journey and the interactions that the player has had uh, with the game. 
right? And that, how does that look like in working? Is uh, let's say I'm very good at playing a certain game, yeah. Right? And if we have a system that understands how I play, uh, when I play, and what do I use when I play, and and caters an experience to me based on that and gives me a level that's challenging, then I would be more engaged with that game saying that, hey, this game is always challenging. But on the other side, if I'm not very good at this game and, you know, I've already spent enough time learning this game and if the system is not smart enough and still gives me a challenging, you know, encounter, then I would just lose hope and say, you know, this game is not for me. But if we have an AI system that's smart enough to say, okay, this player is different. Uh, I should probably have a very different experience uh, created. And when I say different experience, it could be how the level is balanced, right? Yeah. And to a certain extent, games have been doing this. But again, there are different variants that cater to different uh, player segments. But it's not designed in a way that encounters or other uh, acknowledges how players' journey has been uh, they only trigger in when you meet a certain milestone in the player journey. So that's that's something that I'm really excited about. And the, the other thing that I'm there very there's very few things that I'm looking forward to, but there is there are a lot of things that I'm excited about. The few things that I'm looking forward to is the dynamic content that uh, you know procedural generation of art that No Man's Sky uh, did, yeah. and uh, I think that's very innovative. Uh, it's at what happened to that game but the potential of that dynamic content being introduced into games uh, in the future that's very very exciting imagine you have a system that knows what the weather is outside and creates that atmosphere inside the game and if it's snowing outside and then say it's snowing in my game too and that changes based on where you are in the world right so that's going to be again a, a very personalized experience and then uh, very realistic human interactions uh, in, in we've already touched the concept of NPCs uh, being you know aware of uh, your interactions in the game but what if there's a scenario where someone in an, you know Southeast Asia is playing the game and the content is dynamically localized uh, and you know voiced uh, in in their dialect and in their language I think there would be more engagement uh with the game and the player i think that's gonna be one step further in terms of how we look at localization and i think also from in you know, a game design perspective uh we've touched the topic of you know level balancing but also in terms of you know creation of levels uh that is something that i'm excited about but also it's a very controversial space like because it requires a lot of time for us to get there where we could create uh you know, procedurally generated levels uh, and then have them balanced. And the one thing that's close to home that I'm kind of really excited about is and looking forward to is the accessibility part of it, right? Where someone who cannot see can still experience that game where uh, the, you know, in future, if AI can detect voice and based on that, you create experiences for people who have, you know, uh, disabilities and make the games accessible. That I think would be amazing if we can get to that space uh, with AI.
Yeah. And I think, like, there are, I know there's a game doing that currently where it's actually blind and it's just done with audio and, like, feeling somehow with vibrations, I think. Uh, but I feel like even though these things are potentially possible today, AI makes it so much more feasible where you can make the game available in, like, every country but localized uh, using that AI, which is very cool. Um, kind of following up on what you were saying earlier, Mozzie, you got a question with Dimitri. Uh, do you think generating levels by AI, testing playability, balancing is far away? So you just touched on that now, but I'm thinking, do you think it's far away? No, I don't think it's far away. It's something under the umbrella of machine learning. A lot of companies are already doing it, um, even though it's not real, or I can't say real, but artificial intelligence that self-learning. Yeah. But it's still some sort of intelligence that caters to players uh, in a behavior at a certain game progression or a certain level in the game progression. And balancing is something that is practiced a lot in a lot of these casual puzzle games where... When you lose a level. Yeah. Depending on where you are uh, in the game and what level you are. So certain games make it easy if you've tried you know, like 10 times and still fail on the 11th time, the game makes it easy for you. And that's not the same for everyone, right? It changes based on how engaged you are with the game. It changes based on how much money you've spent in the game. So that's already there. I don't think that's far away. But what is far away is the unpredictable uh, aspect of AI, where where game design has to let go of the control that they would have on catering those experiences, wherein we would have created the scenarios. If A happens and then B happens, then you introduce C, but then AI would take over that when we talk about uh, actual balancing when it comes to not just mobile games, but multiplayer games and social games where you know this becomes a unique selling proposition for AI-driven uh, games. Yeah, and I think that's going to be exciting from a gamer point of view because it's just so much more variety. And like some games which I enjoy, but you finish them in an hour or it just stops being hard. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute, you just unlocked hours more content from this one game. And it didn't take a year of DLC work, you know, um, which is super exciting. Uh, Just a follow-up question from the chat here. What are the limitations of AI in gaming do you think still limited by its programming and the data it's been trained on? That means the AI may not be able to respond appropriately to unexpected situation or player actions. So, what is the take on this? I don't know if that needs to be so clarified. That, yeah, that's a really good uh, question because, as we know, d- the new form of AI that we are talking about, and not machine learning or NLP or you know stuff that we've used in the past for level creation, uh, the unpredictable. Uh, aspect of AI uh, when it comes to creating these experiences requires a lot of data. Yeah. And without which it it obviously will fail uh, in many aspects. So you need to have a, a game that the AI can learn from. So in the way I see it is there would be a point in a well-established game that AI would kick in unless you have like franchise, like a previous game that you can feed into the AI that can learn from. But if it's a completely new game, then I would be surprised, pleasantly surprised that it starts with uh, a knowledge of uh, how the player has interacted with it without mm. actually being created uh, in the past. Right? So data, yeah, so data 
collection is one part because that informs the AI about uh, what are the different kinds of player profiles, how do they engage with the game, what is their skill level, and also what are their interactions and how how many times they interact with different aspects of the game, right? And then if if it's a AAA game, then how many times do they actually do the side quests versus the story quest, right? And how many times do they actually skip the cinemat- uh, cinematic or actually watch the whole thing? And, you know, how many times did they fight the boss and how many times did they fail uh, with the boss, right? Mm-hmm. So things like this would be really important for one AI to efficiently, I say efficiently, but in order to be effective. Uh, and then the second part is the uh, data analysis, right? All these things that I just spoke of could also be imagined in a pattern, right? So there needs to be some sort of pattern analysis that needs to happen from an AI perspective without which it would be very difficult to say if AI is doing a good job or not. So that doesn't sound like an off-the-shelf solution. Well, that sounds like it depends on each game. Uh, yeah, which uh, it means- has to be. It has to be that it cannot be plug and play in most cases. In other cases, where, for example, I at at one point of time when I was heavily investigating a lot of mobile games, I came across text-based adventures uh-huh. where I was playing this game about an astronaut who was stranded on moon, and when you launch the game, you would get SOS alert saying that, hey, I'm stranded. Uh, you're the only person that I could reach out to. I sent a signal out and your phone was the only thing that caught my mm. signal. Can you help me? Because if without your help, I can't talk to anyone. It's like a data so, simulator. It's like if you say the right thing, you say yeah. that. Yeah, so I think there you wouldn't want a lot of data collection to be fed into AI, but that just responds to the way you make those choices and takes the story further. So I think text-based adventure would have a high potential in you know creating those experiences without a lot of uh, data being introduced. And I think so, the third part, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll complete with this, is that uh, the tailor-made experiences that shape the storyline is uh, the other aspect. And the final one is real-time adaption. Uh, I think could be very interesting based on the skill level, you kind of cater that experience based on where the player is in the journey. You kind of introduce different aspects uh, uh, to the player. Also. Yeah. Again, that data, I mean, I'm just imagining launch a game, you do it in beta. You can be quite explicit. It's like, we're going to use your data on AI, then you see what happens, try a few tweaks. Then when you launch it, it's not so crazy because then it's expected during the beta. Um, yeah, I think it could be a mode where players opt in for it. I mean, players are not sh- sharing any sensitive data. So, but I think if players opt into, I want a very dynamic experience, uh, which like is based a, on my you know, interactions, and that that could be a way players can enjoy something that the game team wanted them to experience, and something that shapes as they go along. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, and Nordic's managing director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. 
If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Question from the chat from Ilmulay. Um So is this going to be three or does everyone need to develop their own AI to support their game? Do you think there will be like a free off-the-shelf thing that someone can plug in to a game? Like ChatGPT 3.5, that's technically free. So you can use that already in development. But do you think there will be something free that's, I guess, gaming specific? I think the general approach, uh, if you want to take in terms of prototyping and I think what it will let us do are the free tools that are available will help us prototype faster. They'll help us find the fun faster. They'll help us uh, create those experiences to figure out, hey, is this unique enough for our players that we are reaching after? And then what it will in- do to the game developer community is that it'll cut down the iteration time from months to maybe weeks for per yeah. experience that we want to create. Let's say if it took us to make one core gameplay and it took a team of five to ten people over a period of six months. Now that can be minimized. We could have faster iterations and do this uh, testing if you want to with real players even faster than what we used to do. Uh, But I think that's how far I think free tools will get us because uh, the more specialized we want to get, I think we need to look at it from a way that is this free tool solving my problem where I want to create this special experience or a different unique experience without which uh, players would not gravitate to my game. I think that's where uh, you would want to pivot to an AI tool or a plugin that solves your problem because free tools are free for a reason and paid tools uh, kind of capitalize on the specific apps aspects of how you want to elevate that. For example, Midjourney also gives you a uh, few tokens. Dali gave you very few tokens to experience it and then you know, that's how far free tools can take us. Yeah, and I think when you get an enterprise user, that probably run out of the free tools quite quickly. But for prototyping, I think yeah, I'm with you, just 100%. Um, moving on to, I guess, the multiplayer side now. How do we think that will change? Like the social experience, if I'm playing with a friend, how do you think AI will impact that? Well, again, that's a very interesting topic for me personally because I'm someone who's been playing Fortnite for more than two years every single day and I've played okay. in the game uh, as as much as I could without being thrown out of my house <laughs> by my wife. Yeah. But I think multiplayer and social games uh, would be the one that will shape the future of this kind of AI in Why? games, for example. Because now we have... Ser- for example, let's say Fortnite or any other multiplayer game that's synchronous and you have to play with the lobby. We use this concept called matchmaking where you have similar skilled level players, hopefully from a same region because the servers are built that way, to play in the lobby. And then there's a lot of aspects that go into the matchmaking logic. And now if you have an AI that can create a well-balanced lobby for you, that's that's taking so much load off uh, the team to worry about, hey, are the teams balanced? And then from a social perspective, recommending players, like when you play uh, with random players, 
like having a well-balanced team uh, also kind of impacts like if all the four players in the team are of the same level then they play in very similar way and they die in very similar ways but you have if you have a team that's you know one one is expert in assault the other is ex- in you know healing and the other one is good at shields then you know barricades then i think that forms a well balanced team and if ai can do that n number of times in every session based on how you have been interacting with the game i think that's going to also elevate the player experience and then the third aspect also in terms of social is recommending friends to you like who have a similar way of playing similar way of interacting with the game and then you say hey i had fun playing with this uh, person i would love to you know send a friends invite to them and then you know connect with them and then grow my network in the game so i think that's uh, going to be uh, one of the key aspects where i think ai could have a huge potential and now that fortnite just launched the unity editor for fortnite uh, the ugc aspect of it not from the generation of the assets and the whole creation but uh, fortnite is trying to again go after roblox right where they have so many different experience but i think the more experience that are being created i think the challenge would be of discovery like what is relevant to me as a player if i am playing you know battle royale kind of games and if the ugc content that's being surfaced is not in line with how i have been playing and the experience that i have been having then that's not smart and that's not going to help the player or the game teams right oh we typical so, yeah so like tiktok and youtube shorts is so quick to learn because yeah. it's a two second experience sometimes but with a game that might be half an hour an hour that's a lot yeah so and now that more and more tools are getting you know accessible by content creators i think the pro- uh, discovery would be one big challenge and if ai is smart enough to analyze player patterns and then cater the right ugc experience uh, to play with uh, i think that's going to be again something could have a huge potential with ai and i think for multiplayer games cheating has been uh, a very very big concern and there are already ais that are being worked on now like i think i was uh, reading a paper on uh, csgo where they created an ai that can detect uh, if someone is cheating or not so that's in 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 the space of synchronous multiplayer games that's going to be again something we should probably have an eye out for because if companies are making more and more multiplayer experiences cheating is going to be one of the big concerns uh, especially skill based games and ai could be uh, you know revolutionary in terms of finding out cheaters and banning them because every time you report a player and if ai picks it up and then if there are 100 other players who have reported a similar behavior with this particular account then ai is going to get smart at detecting these uh, while you're playing the game and also when you're reporting these experiences and something on on the social side that i've been excited about which i uh, briefly touched upon is the localization but when you integrate it with an assistant like chat gpt uh, within the game wherever let's say you're trying to solve a puzzle in god of war and you don't know how to and then you're like hey can you help 
and you know the assistant in the game or you know your most of the rpg games have this uh, you know pet kind of creature that uh, you know walks along with you and they kind of give you these tips on hey look why don't you look in this direction or why don't you look in that direction and then those tips that the game can offer uh, based on the request from a player rather than hey let me leave the game go to youtube and search for yeah. someone who's actually solved that uh, and you know say give me a small hint give me a big hint like yeah. i've I've done that with ChatGBT. Like, I give me a hard riddle, and then I say, "Okay, give me a small hint," and then it gives me a small hint. And I'm like, "Okay," and that'll be a fun part. Sure. Yeah. Also, I think the way the level has been created is one aspect, but what happens dynamically when you're in the level, and let's say you have to spawn certain things very dynamically, spawn enemies uh, very dynamically. If you're playing really well, and if you have a really powerful weapon, and you mm-hmm. want the adrenaline to kick in from a player perspective. generating more let's say zombies if you're playing a zombie game uh that would be again very meaningful in terms of player experience yeah 100% and it's just going to be so interesting cuz with Fortnite and the user generated stuff now like they somehow plug ai i'm guessing they will to like the user generated content side then it's just like going to get ridiculous amount of different games just learning i think that's going to change everything hopefully um really excited for that so in terms of from a production point of view now you've been producing for a while wanted to ask you in terms of if you have any advice for current producers upcoming producers to be able to pivot here i think production is a very interesting space uh, because every studio every company looks at production differently some companies look at production as project management moving things from point a to point b and some studios look at production as creative leadership mm-hmm. and some studios look at production as product leadership and product and I'll ask you how it's in your role what is it i think it's more i have i i started with production in terms of project management uh and moving things from point a to point b making sure everything is you know working like a well oiled engine to a point where uh, you know the i've been lucky enough to have really good mentors uh, mm-hmm. i seek them out and uh, you know really good uh, team mem- teammates and team members who i've learned a lot from uh, and most of my interactions initially were with designers and that's where i figured out hey i, I have a design inclination so i went towards design worked on some design documents and then gdds that's what we used to call them there used to be a gdd document in in what is gdd stand for game design document which mm-hmm. says how the game will start and how the game will end mm-hmm. because now free to play we don't need to have gddds or there's no ending because there's no ending <laughs> right <laughs> so it goes on as long as uh, it's viable and then uh, when i was working at zing i was lucky enough to be surrounded by very very smart pms and that's where i understood like i have an inclination towards the product side of things so that's where i started interacting more with them learned a lot and then move into more product ownership roles and was able to contribute there so i think one thing that i have learned which i would encourage if there are any producers on this call is to find out your inclination and try to interact with more people that add value to your inclination or affinity if you have design affinity saying that hey i'm a really good producer i know how to move things on a project level uh, but i also want to be a designer because everyone has good ideas but it takes a lot of skill 
to execute that idea in in form of a feature document that encompasses everything uh, all the edge cases uh, and the problem that you're trying to solve so it takes a lot of practice and i think the best thing is to learn from people who've already done this uh, in the past and have made some mistakes so that you don't have to so interacting with them is the best thing and they end up being your mentors also okay some tips there might be probably good if you seek out mentors how do you not seek out a mentor what's what's the bad way to seek out a mentor i don't we think can recommend the opposite <laughs> no i think in my experience whenever i've reached out for help uh i think this community especially gaming community and the creative community has always been very very helpful i haven't had any interactions like oh i don't have time for you i'm not going to spend my time hey, did you reach you. out was it in person was this online i think any means possible right like like on linkedin you could just drop in a message of course everyone is busy but yeah. if you have a genuine request and that doesn't feel like a waste of time that's something you can't find on google uh, i wouldn't go and ask someone for that but you, if you're you know genuinely trying to solve something and you're stuck and reaching out to people who have been in the industry for a while i think they are more than willing to help you out so that's been my approach and also look around you your friends your teammates uh, just because someone is your teammate that doesn't make them less valuable i think talking to them uh, from their point of view i think it's always good to understand where the other person is coming from uh, that also teaches you a lot from a cultural perspective uh, that you can incorporate into your game design because games are being played across the world and you have different cultures that will respond differently uh, now that ramadan is going on one tidbit is like in the past the games that i have worked on we used to see the engagement spike in mina region mm. yeah. and that the question that we used to ask like hey now that a lot of players are engaging with the game is there something that we can do to elevate that experience not yeah. much of them but saying what can we do to make sure that when they come into our game once this period this month ends they still have fun and they want to stick around with this game so i think that aspect uh, is also a form of mentorship saying that hey you have to be culturally sensitive uh, and see how you can add value to different you know cultures across the world and this is not something that we talk about but uh, i don't think there's a bad way of reaching out to mentor unless you're like very rude yeah. and not a good person <laughs> yeah i think one piece of advice i heard is don't start the message saying hey can i ask a question just be very succinct with what you're asking for that way they can also do a self filter because they can't reach they can't usually respond to every message that says hey can i ask a question or they can yeah. read the first message Lovely. and the other way that i found very effective is just reaching out to them in a meetup like if you can get an access to going to a conference mm-hmm. or if you know that there's this meetup happening in a different company which is you know invite only find someone who can uh get you an invite and get into that circle and then just talk about the challenges that you're facing and what have you tried i'm um, i'm sure folks will be more than uh, willing to help you out in in the capacity that they can no i like that lovely got a question in the chat which is kind of linking back to what we said last time on the recommendation so from anna how do you think we can ensure that we don't fall into the rabbit hole of ai only given recommendations of things that never surprise us alluding to tiktok instagram and netflix where you kind of you watch one video 
of Petro Pascal, and then you just get 30 more, and you're like, oh dear, how do I escape? Uh, what do you think about that in terms of games? First of all, thank you for the question, and I think that's a really good question. Uh, but if you if you notice something about how TikTok and Instagram are working, uh, or even Netflix, they they want players to, or rather, they want viewers or people who engage with the app to just stick with the app. And there's 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 always giving content which you have watched in the past, and then once or twice you get content that you have not watched that comes across as a recommendation because of the mm-hmm. uh, pattern analysis. But when it comes to game, it's it's not an app. It's an experience that, you know, that has been created for the joy of engaging with, with the game. So it's going to be very different from Netflix. Maybe Netflix, we can learn from a little because mm-hmm. they also are uh, creating entertainment content by TikTok involves a lot of virality that needs to kick in because you get recommended videos that have been watched you know a certain view count and same as with instagram if you're not viral then you hardly get surfaced uh, in your feed even if you've been watching pedro pascal right uh, but i think netflix i think there is a lot uh, over there wherein you have these profiles that you have created and then, you know, you and your partner, let's say you have different profiles. When you get in, you have different recommendations that come in because of the choices that you have made and the recommendations that get surfaced to you. And when I translate that into games, I think that's going to be very personalized in terms of how my journey has been. Uh, things like, you know, data collection and data analysis play a lot of, uh, you know, significance when it comes to creating these experiences. And also, we will when you analyze it on a pattern level, uh, it's not just about, hey, but just because I like killing zombies, the game is going to give me more zombies. But I think it's about a lot of other factors. Like if I've enjoyed killing zombies with X weapon, and if I have a different weapon, will I still enjoy killing zombies? And if I don't, then the AI has to be smart enough to give me an experience that caters to the weapon that I'm carrying. Not just because I have those variables plugged in which again yeah. sounds very hard because I'm like, yeah, that can be done. But I wonder how to actually like code that. <laughs> just I think in many ways it has been done in the past. Like for example, you've played chess. I'm guessing. Yes, right. You've played chess against the computer. Computer. I have. Right. And when you change the skill level from easy, medium, hard on the other side, you know it's very difficult to beat the AI when it's at the expert level. Mm-hmm. Like even experts like chess masters find it very difficult to beat chess AI when it's at expert level, right? So AI in that sense has been done in the past, and this is not just now. It like chess AI has been there for learning a from me. because chess is a pattern. Uh, there are moves. Uh, I think that can be pre-calculated, but I think the new age of AI is talking about you know the evolved version of chess, if I may say so, mm-hmm. is that the the predictability is not the USP anymore. Like in this question where Anna is asking if it's going to be as predictable because I'm doing certain actions, then if the AI is following that route, then it's not a very effective AI. It has to take into account a lot of things that um, a lot of events in the game that has to be tracked in order to keep continuing uh, the path of excitement for a player. Yeah. I still find it so difficult to like. It feels like it's chess AI with a lot more variables. 
but I just I'm not a developer, obviously. So I just it just I just it seems hard to yeah. So here is something that I'm kind of looking forward to in 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 this space. Have you watched this movie called Her uh, with Walking Phoenix? So if you have not, I would highly recommend going to YouTube and uh, watching a video snippet of that movie where Walking Phoenix is playing a game. Uh, in it's in a projected holographic game mm-hmm. where the character that he's playing with, uh, the way he interacts with the game, the way that he makes the character move, and when the character fumbles, he actually turns back and uh, uses foul language with Joaquin Phoenix because he knows that Joaquin Phoenix is uh, this kind of a person who is okay with this language, mm. right? And it was very interesting to see because it it it's an old movie just to see the level of AI that we could expect in the future yeah. where uh, the game actually remembers you, uh, interacts in interacts with you the way you are comfortable with uh, as a friend or, you know, as a buddy uh, who can, you know, just talk shit to you and then turn around and still continue playing the game. Uh, yeah. That I think that's something that would be very le- revolutionary in this space. Yeah, I think I'm just looking at the end of Alan's question where, like they mentioned with Facebook, and I know TikTok does this too, like they consider the opinions of your friends. I was just thinking now, like imagine you're just on Fortnite, you're having voice chats, and you're interacted in X amount of ways, and then on a lobby where you interacted in a different way, you actually turned off the game for whatever reason. Then they kind of clock on, it's like, ah, when he was interacting in this way, having that chat back and forth, at a better time and then they can try and make the AI interact in that way I don't know that sounds like possible I don't know if that's feasible yeah again it depends on the problem that we are trying to solve Uh, if it's helping us solve that problem then it makes sense but otherwise it sounds more complicated than it should be Mm. or rather it can be done without AI in that sense okay I'm with you cool Uh, so we have seven minutes left roughly so what I want to ask you is kind of what do you think people can get excited about like like if there's one takeaway people can think because i feel like everyone has ideas of what ai can do we have the asset generation to artists can spend more time on the stuff that are hard and i think the same with like copilot for a development like there's going to be more quality i guess what do you think people should be getting excited about i think especially creators in in the field of entertainment when i say entertainment it's content and games i think the key takeaway would be to be very open to AI and not fear AI because uh, there's this fear that it might take away a lot of jobs and it kind of, you know, ruin some industries. Uh, the way I see it is it's it's going to do more help than hurt uh, the industry. So do you, do you think it will hurt a little bit but the benefit will outweigh? Of course, like because it's going to remove the money mundane and you know mundane things away and it's going to take over those mundane things that's what you want right like you want highly skilled teams to work on things that are not mundane so they are excited and they are focused on things that actually matter and not go around creating vegetation in the environment where they're defined okay this is these are the things and then ai takes over and says okay this is what i had in mind based on the prompts that you have given me right so i think that's something we should be open for. Uh, we like it or not, that's where uh, the AI is uh, moving towards. And also, the key takeaway is use AI to make 
your lives easier when it comes to creation process wherein you know like i mentioned the prototyping prototyping aspect of things is going to get easier if you rely on things but don't expect it to do everything you will still need uh, subject matter experts to come in you'll still need an art director to say this is what the art direction would look like you would still need game design to come and say these are the experiences that we need to create and now use ai to see how you can have different you know boxes so um, my experience a is this my experience b is this and ai also generated five other experiences how can we validate all these five experiences without players so now you have more options than you would have otherwise in the past so you use ai to your advantage not uh, you know let it you know play on your fear of losing yeah. your job yeah i like the analogy of tractors i think farmers unionized against tractors back in the day obviously we, st- we now have tractors and more food which is great and i'm pretty sure there's more people who are farmers now than there were before maybe as a percentage there's less but like the output and satisfaction it's probably more i think it's just a tool like you said and i think especially in the prototyping phase it's just food for thought it's not going to help yeah. you execute there still needs to be the person executing um lovely so we have a few minutes left so what i want to do is just go through the questions we have in chat so we have yep. another one from anna who's the director of user experience design at moyang which i didn't mention earlier so she's asking about the risks so do you see any risk with using ai and gaming and how it could transform our games like i said i think the biggest risk is the fear uh, of using it uh, i think if if you're going towards asset generation uh, i would want to be like my conscience needs to be clear if i'm using an ai that i'm not yeah. taking away from someone else's art that has been used for creating you know the art that i'm using right so making sure that uh one it's legal to use for example of generative art and three uh, sorry two is that my conscience is clear that i'm not infringing upon someone else's rights like hey this is my art and then this ai just used my art to you know transform or derive out of your so there are two different terms that i learned like the way ai could use is one is derivative art the mm-hmm. other is transformative art so i think that's where the legal case is kind of in the us with mid journey is it, is it derivative art or is it transformative art saying that hey here is an apple i transformed this apple to look a diamond apple or i derived my art from this apple to look like a, you know blue apple right so that's where i need to make sure that i uh, as a developer uh, i'm not infringing on someone's right but it has a potential to transform games uh, it has a potential to transform player experiences it has a lot of potential to transform the way we work and the way we interact with our teams because now we would be focusing on things that actually matter and not worry about things that are in the background or the things that players miss in most cases where we spend a lot of time because a lot of these triple a games have so much of detail that when you are fighting in god of war you hardly notice them but that they they are responsible for creating that ambiance the environment and the experience but that could that be done by something that's procedurally generated maybe yes should mm-hmm. we focus on you know every little detail maybe no yeah. right? that way i think it's going to be uh very effective in how we work in the future uh, but yeah. that's a really good question and thank you for that i'm wondering on the legality side like if you make a bunch of assets and then ask it to derive from that or i put in the input so maybe it deserves I mean, but it gets shady when you use like 
competitor next door has all their assets to derive some more. That, that's where he goes. Like, yeah, that's pretty. That's probably not legal. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice one. Uh, let's move on to the next question, which is from Dimitri at King. Uh, do you think AI application in games, when it's connected to outer outer worlds such as online shops, courses, searches, and other services, can lead to a world where we are in the game most of the time? So I guess this is alluding to like a metaverse. Do, do you think AI will kind of eliminate the need for X, Y, and Z where you can just be gaming all day? I mean, if you look at it, AI is everywhere. Even with this particular talk and the way a lot of us came to know about this talk is there some algorithm on LinkedIn that has been promoting uh, this conversation also. There's, mm-hmm. there's no way escaping uh, this. Uh, and the more it gets accessible, the more it gets into our daily lives. And my personal experience has been I've been using ChatGPT for a lot of, you know, uh, things that I want to solve at home. Like, how does this fuse work? Or how do I fix this chair? I think things like that, things that you would like to ask your dad, uh, if your dad was a handyman, then things like that, I think that's going to be very uh, cool right like just to mm-hmm. ask and get the answer like a pocket doctor mechanic depending how much yeah. you want to trust it but i think uh, what is interesting about dimitri's questions also is how it's going to change the way we experience things outside the game i think that's also something that i'm curious about um i don't claim to be an expert in this space but what what i know is there are companies that have already started to look into this uh without taking names and I'm sure it's it's open up there and then the more time I spend on Twitter and on on YouTube in the space uh, the more excited I get because my definition of meta uh, a meta game is you're playing the game and you're not playing the game so if you're not playing the game uh, if I'm not playing the game am I watching the content about the game? Yeah. Uh, am I talking to my friends on Facebook or Instagram? Yes I'm a millennial not TikTok, but yeah. So am I talking to my friends about the game? If I'm not, then am I watching memes or am I sharing memes about the game that are relevant to my social network? So I think as long as players are talking about the game and using the game in conversation, that still qualifies as meta to me. And if the players are doing that, then the game is the most successful game because that's what the whole purpose of these emotes in Fortnite is, right? The different types of content creators when you look at Fortnite, there are creators that create educational comment, uh, commentary saying that how can you get better at the game. There are folks who do review of what's new in the game and there are content creators that just create memes and stories. So I think UGC combined with uh, content creation uh, with AI, I think that's going to be something that we cannot escape. So it's going to be everywhere in the way we, you know, buy tickets to flights that's also being recommended by cookies somewhere there's some sort of ai uh, integrated into that but that's again programmed uh, ai yeah they we're going to get some ai that can reason and then it gets whether you want to say spooky or exciting it'll be both um lovely so final question from Kuwinda: what is your opinion would ai be in the game as a companion friend to the player similar to a multiplayer game experience for example the Last of Us is different based on the player's preferences and choices. I think the safest way is to go with 
a companion in my personal opinion, and I could be wrong, is because, again, for the AI to be effective, it needs to be fed in a lot of data, which mm-hmm. it can learn over time. And I think the best way and the safest way to do it is without impacting what the player is doing. And if you have a companion in the game, like Atreus in God of War and Ellie in Last of Us, I think they add a lot of sentiment and emotional connection to the main character uh, that shaped the story. So I think that's where I would, if I was doing it, I would start there and then see how can I expand it to a different level, uh, moving from companion to the main character. I like it. Fantastic. We're at the end of our webinar, so I would like to just give you the floor, Mozzie. First of all, thanks everyone for uh, attending and thank you, Harry, for having this uh, webinar. Uh, Really appreciate it. And I mean, if anyone wants to get connected, feel free to send me an invite and I'll be more than happy to act as a friend and solve some of the problems or answer some of your questions uh, offline. Kind of you to do that, Muzzy. Fantastic. Thank you everyone at home for listening. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. If you're interested in either joining a podcast in the future, feel free to reach out and connect. Or if you're just in the industry and you want to hear more, feel free to connect. Obviously, we also provide freelancers, so if you do have the need, you know where I am. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye.